0: This week on The Clubhouse, Anthony and I are joined by the president of Mile High Sports, James Merillat. James has been covering the Colorado Rockies and all things Denver sports for well over a decade. He is a radio host, a writer, and one of the smartest sports fans I have ever met. If you have any interest at all in the Colorado sports scene, head on over to MileHighSports.com to subscribe to his magazine right away. In this episode, James discusses the Rockies' inaugural season, Little League Baseball, Instant Replay, and much, much more. This episode was recorded in the apartment of my good buddy, Ryan Rindler. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. I am Manish Jane, and sitting next to me, as always, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. Hello. Our guest today, I'm very excited about our guest today. Our guest today is the president of Mile High Sports, a die-hard Rockies fan. Yeah, I'm putting that out there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm putting that out there. that Quiet until I introduce you, please. (laughs) Quiet. You have to just sit here and listen to this. And tell me the rules. (laughs) A diehard Rockies fan. And honestly, probably the reason why I'm sitting here today. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, joining us in the clubhouse today, James yeah. Merrillette! Huge, huge, exactly. huge applause. So James and uh, his, his partner, Doug, are honestly, they you know just a little bit of backstory. They are the reason why my sports career kind of took off the way that it did. Uh, I, I had been working for ESPN for a couple of years before I met these two lovely gentlemen. And I had this idea to start a sports magazine uh, called Motor City Sports Magazine, where we basically covered sports for the state of Michigan, college, high school, professional sports, kind of like a Sports Illustrated just for the state of Michigan. And I got hooked up with these gentlemen and um, you know they were doing something similar out here in Denver called Mile High Sports Magazine. And I was just insanely impressed by it. And these two guys kind of took me under their wing and mentored me and helped me. And like I said, that magazine was uh, up until that point in my life, my my greatest accomplishment. And without you, I don't think it would have even gotten off the ground. So I want to thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, gosh, how long ago was that? What year was that 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 oh came out? God. It was when right before Detroit got the Super Bowl, so it had it to be 405. 04, yeah, Yeah, because we did the Super Bowl issue with you guys. And, um, you know, we're, we're a couple of knuckleheads from North Glen High School that decided to start a magazine. So, you know, anytime we come across somebody who has similar, you know, entrepreneurial kind of goals and things like that, um, we always try and help them out and encourage them as much, much as we can. So no, you guys, you guys did a, a very good job on that, uh, that magazine. We've seen a lot of them. We're just about at our 13th anniversary and we've seen a lot of regional sports magazines come and go in that amount of time. Um, and very few of them are, are done very well. That's the reason they go. And you and Kevin did a nice job on that. So kudos to you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. You know, that was, that uh, was that was awesome. But we're not here to live in, in that, in our hour. Well, that's past. not the
1: entire topic of
0: conversation? No, <laughs> For an hour? Not. An hour Leads of Motor City sort of Sports <laughs> reminiscing? sort of in the lurch a little bit. <laughs> no, no, yeah, because Anthony right. and I, we're not, we're not friends during the MCS days. All right, days, it sets the but stage, but we can talk about other things. What we need to talk about is just the history of your, uh, your personal history of baseball here in Colorado, because you are, I think, the first guest that we've had uh, for an expansion team who you grew up without a baseball team you grew yep. up without a or at yep. least a major league baseball team to call your own i know denver uh, and and colorado has had a great history of professional baseball minor leagues independent leagues etc but as far as an official major league baseball squad you didn't have one until 1993
1: yeah i was i was 20 years old by the time we had baseball almost 20 years old so you know we grew up going to denver bears games Denver Zephyr Games, you know, minor league team, American Association teams that played at Mile High Stadium. So they played in a 75,000 seat stadium and you'd get 2,500 people there, which Mile High Stadium or started as Bears Stadium. It was originally a minor league baseball stadium that they added on to and made it a, a football stadium. So um, it, it, you know there was no reason for them to move other than the fact that it was way too big of a ballpark for them eventually. And were they um, at farm
2: teams, or were they just totally independent? Yeah,
1: no, they were farm teams. They were farm teams for uh, the Expos for a while, so we saw like Tim Raines come through here. Mm. Uh, they were a farm team for the Brewers for a while. Um, mm. And I think even Ooh. maybe back when I was right, you know Kansas too Angeles. young to go, I think they were a Yankee farm team back in the day. Oh, really? Um, so th- th- we, we saw a lot of good players come through here from a minor league level but my recollection as a kid was always getting teased by teams that were looking for new stadium deals and they always threatened to come to denver <laughs> that's what we were we were the pawn to try and get you know a better deal and it was and and they wound up not getting a better stadium so i don't know why they didn't move here but the the oakland a's were always the team that was going to move here uh, so, they, Oakland has been talking about leaving for that long. Oh, Oakland's yeah.
0: constantly. Every year they threaten to leave. Which it's, is why been I never it. yeah. it's been nonstop. It's
1: been nonstop. And there was a, a local billionaire, at the, I think he was a billionaire, probably would be nowadays, named Marvin Davis, who was constantly going to buy a team and bring him here. The Giants were a team they talked about at one point. But the A's. Was that in 91? Uh, it was probably more in the eighties. Okay. We we got the we, we were awarded the expansion team probably in ninety one and then it started in ninety three. Okay. Course field opened in ninety-five. So throughout the late eighties, um they, they were always talking about bringing a team here. And you know, because Denver was a good a good sports town. Obviously the Broncos had a long sellout streak. Uh the Nuggets were very well supported, but we didn't have a hockey team at that point. It was just those two teams. Um but it was like any sport they'd moved here during the 80s was hugely popular. The Denver Dynamite was the arena football team. Oh, and here yeah. one of the arena football league. And they won the championship and they sold out every game. The Denver Gold was a USFL team that packed the house and actually had the first USFL championship game here in Denver uh, with the Michigan Panthers involved in it. Um, and, and so it, it, you know, it was, it was something that we always thought we were going to get a team, but we never had one. So we would get to go to the minor league games for two reasons. One, if you had perfect attendance in elementary school, you got a pair of bears tickets. That was always exciting. <laughs> and then they had a 4th of July game with fireworks and it was always a, it was always a sellout. So there'd be 75,000 people there to watch fireworks. Oh, that's cool. That's um, awesome. which was really cool. So I grew up a Mets fan, believe it or not. How? Um, <laughs>
0: that was no, so I'm, quick. Not, no, I'm just no, that was just <laughs> very
1: quick. It's a very good question. There was no reason for it. And it, this is a typical stupid, like reason why a kid becomes a fan kind of thing. But you remember those little like newspapery things you would get in school to order books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. mm-hmm. scholastic books yeah, or whatever. Absolutely. Every time one of those would come out, I would order every sports book that was on there. I was just a sports nerd. And in 1983, the baseball one that came out had Daryl Strawberry oh, on the yeah. cover. And the Mets were orange and blue. I'm a huge Bronco fan. I'm like, that's my team. And so I caught them right on the upswing with, you know, Strawberry and Gooden and those young teams, and they brought on Keith Hernandez. So I was a Mets fan, and, you know, I don't know how diehard you can be at 12 or 13 years old, but I remember moping around the house during game six of the 86 World Series and watching that sitting on the floor in front of the couch with my mom and dad just you know, living and dying with every pitch, and jumping up and down when the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs. So, yeah. I was a baseball fan. I just didn't have a, a local team to root for, so I had to find one. But in, in
2: those days, how were you keeping up with the Mets on a daily basis?
1: Newspaper, only newspaper. Yeah, right? yeah. 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 So you know, you it, it, it's. You know, I guess it's been almost thirty years now. Or back when I became a fan, it was thirty years ago, so it doesn't seem that long ago. But it's kind of back then was no different than you know. You'll hear like Larry King talking about growing up in Brooklyn and being a <laughs> Dodgers fan. Like that's kind of how I had to follow the Mets too. You know, there really wasn't uh sports talk radio. Obviously, it was pre-internet, um, so it would be checking box scores every every well, morning. I remember
0: everyone had to do that. I mean, Anthony and I have discussed how he really his baseball fandom. You know. Came a little bit later in life, where he liked baseball, but really his the the the, the uh, intensity kind of came in the internet age. And for me, I also you know I grew up a giant sports nerd, and you know I do think that's one thing that Denver and Detroit have very very similar sports mindsets, where it is just if it's a sport, people are watching yep, it. It yep. does not matter what level or anything; just that people really appreciate athletic uh, achievement. And I remember being, I remember being, you know, a a four, five, six, seven-year-old kid and having to check the box scores if the Tigers are on the West Coast and you'd have to wait a full day Basically to find out how they did because, you know, I was too young to stay up to the... the, Because
2: there was a local broadcast though, right? You could have watched it. No, absolutely not. They didn't broadcast
0: every game. No, not at all. No. I mean, there were radio broadcasts and whatnot, but a lot of those have done on the West Coast. Little kid, not staying up till midnight. Sure. And I'd have to wait and then they'd miss the deadline. So they wouldn't be able to print the box score. So you'd have to wait a full day sometimes to find out what they did, which, you know, once again, it seems so just unbelievable now, now that we've got, you know... As we're driving down the, the country here, going to ballparks, we're streaming games, live yep, <laughs> and listening yep. to them. But uh, I, I do believe that that kind of instills a different type of, of passion and love because you have to go so far out of your way to do it. So I think that's how it's easy to become a Met fan, a crazy Met fan, because you have to work that much harder to be able to follow them. Whatever three thousand miles away.
1: Yeah, it, it really was back when the the sports cast on the ten o'clock news mattered. Yes, you had to wait and see what the scores were. Exactly, and it was part of the reason why being a Mets fan was good because here by ten o'clock, most of the games in the East Coast were done, so I would actually get scores. See, and, that's and, awesome, and that would help. Whereas if you were rooting for a West Coast team, you know, there's a lot of people here that are Dodger fans or Giant fans. The two, well, three big teams that, that people rooted for here: the Royals, because they were the closest team, uh, the Cardinals. Closest? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Cardinals West coast funny. is
0: spread out man.
1: the yeah. Cardinals were there are a lot of cardinal fans here and back oh, when wow. I was a kid they actually the Denver post took a, a poll and it was what team do you want us to cover like it's the local team? And it, it came down to the Cubs. That was the other team that everybody follows. A lot of people follow here: Cubs, Cardinals, and Royals. And the and the Cardinals won out. Sure. So for a season, and I don't remember if it was the Denver Post or Rocky Mountain News, but for a season they had a beat writer and they covered that team just like it was a local team. So the wow. Cardinals
0: actually allowed a Denver beat writer to come. Yep. And that's really yep. kind of cool. So
1: every day you would get the the recap of the game just like you know they were the the, the home team, um, or the local team. So it, it was kind of cool, and that was. It was before the Rockies, but it was probably after they announced that we were getting an expansion team. So it was sort of like the Denver Post way of saying, here's how it's going to be when we cover a team. That's cool. And they probably used it, you know, in hindsight, looking back at it, as a way to train their people how to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, to, how are we going to cover a team 162 times a year? You know, they're used to the Broncos 16, 16 games a season and, and and that kind of thing. So, you know, there, there were quirky little things growing up in a in a town that didn't have Major League Baseball. Um, that, that you had to do in order to be a fan. But, you know, I mean, I, I grew up playing baseball. I, I played it more than I, I played any other sport. Um, what you was your,
0: there you go. <laughs> I was going to ask. <laughs> uh,
1: I was a middle infielder, so I either played shortstop or second base. Uh, um, I like it. And my, my grandpa was a uh, – he grew up in Nebraska and played, you know, Legion baseball. Um, so I got it from that side of the family where, you know, it was out playing catch in the backyard with grandpa back before I could do, you know, much else other than stand up and throw the ball. Um, so that, that, that instilled a lot of that. I mean, he was a really good ball player back, you know, in the World War II days. Um, so I grew up a fan of the game, of playing the game, um, and then kind of had to latch onto a way of being a fan of, of Major League Baseball.
0: So, I mean, you, you referenced how Denver kind of became, you know, they, they were always the, the threat, you know, Hey, we're going to move to Denver. So as a, as a baseball fan, as you're sitting there, do you, did, did, did you get yourself Was it Charlie Brown with the football? At a certain point, did you stop getting excited or stop? Like, when when they actually did say, hey, we're going to get a franchise, we're like, all right, I'll see it when opening day actually comes? Or was it just how I I don't even, I can't fathom, you know, being from Michigan, Detroit, I can't even, you know, uh, uh, register or, or understand how a city could not have one of each of the four major sports. It's just been in our city right. since the nineteen hundred you know, since the beginning of all sports, Detroit was always you're one like, of the original. You're like
1: Donald Trump's kids, can't imagine not yeah. having money. <laughs>
0: exactly. Right? Like, I can't
1: imagine I not really, having my own jet to exactly. go places.
0: It'd be weird. <laughs> it, you're right. And it is that I feel very lucky. The I embarrassment feel very... of riches it in really Detroit, is.
1: apparently. It,
0: well, from the college to the professional level, they, you know, Michigan's the winningest college football team of all time. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah.
2: Okay, we're talking about baseball. We're, talking, just, about baseball. we're talking about baseball. I'm just saying. We're
0: talking about baseball. It was a little Charlie Brownish, but see, you know, they
1: they announced the 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 team in '91, roughly. So I was 18 years old. So prior to that. You know, when you're a kid, you don't know you're being duped by people who are trying to just get a better lease or get a better <laughs> sure. deal. You think it's real. Yeah. So yeah. as a kid, I always thought it was, yeah, we're gonna get Major League Baseball, and you know, my parents and my grandparents and everybody probably could see right through it. No, eh, yeah, I know what's gonna happen here and how this is gonna go down, but we got excited every time. You know, we we thought that was gonna be our our team. Yeah. Um. So I I don't remember being too pained when it never happened, and I also don't remember being smart enough to be skeptical of it. I think we always thought it was going to happen.
2: That yeah, and when they did announce the
1: franchise at what point
2: between that and when you knew it was going to be called the Colorado Rockies or you know
1: Yeah, the, you know, there was a there was one of those things where they did contests to name the team. Uh I will I didn't love the Rockies name because we had a we had an NHL team named the Colorado Rockies. They're now the New Jersey Devils. So they weren't they weren't gone that long before we decided, "Oh, let's name our baseball team the same thing as the NHL team we couldn't support. I agree, that's weird. It was it was weird, um, and, and you know I just think it's a it's an inanimate. I mean, it's just silly. It's a, sure. what's the mascot? It's well, big bunch yeah, of mountains. The mascot
2: is your dinosaur it, with it, <laughs> the weird fruity pebbles.
1: They have Anthony's not a fan. No. They have this garbage logo that they haven't changed since 1993. That looks like 1993 clip art. You know, it's just it's it's just bad. It's just a lot of it that's bad,
0: um, and the name is one of those. One of those things. Well, so here's the thing that we were trying to figure out last night, and I don't know why it, it's not something I've looked into before. But why purple? Is and purple? Black. Why purple well, well and black. Black, yeah. but why purple though? Because purple is purple
1: mountain majesty.
0: That's why. There, I mm-hmm. knew. Okay. See, I knew it was a reason like that. I knew it yeah. was some weird Colorado Denver reason because like it doesn't. All right, that, that makes sense because the, the dinosaur makes sense because apparently they found a Triceratops skull or bone or some such...
1: They did. They, they When they were digging, you know, the foundation of Coors Field, they came across dinosaur fossils or whatever so, you call all right, them.
0: So I guess that's kind of cool and also teaching the kids something. Yeah. I mean, the mascot could be a little less barney esque yeah, It doesn't look great.
1: But. Yeah, but they, and I always get into this discussion with people and, in, in, you know, in our, in our magazine, every single month, we have a page called Good Stuff, Bad Stuff. And every single month... Doug Audible puts in a dig at Dinger. That's the mascot, <laughs> and we've Doug. done like 147 <laughs> issues, and I think we've forgot like four times. And when we forget, we get letters and phone calls of like, "What happened to the Dinger dig?" <laughs> and so it's just this ongoing thing. And I was in favor of it initially, and not that I'm not in favor of it now, but now that I have kids, yeah, I get it. Like I'm not the target audience for Dinger,
2: but there are other My mascots. Is no, there, that's true old there are other is.
1: mascots that are. All no, mascots I mean, are stupid. The Philly fanatic is stupid. oh, it's hilarious. I don't know the Philly oh, fanatic. Awesome.
0: When I was at the home run derby, <laughs> tongue sticks out. When I was like at the a home run derby, a big the, green. Blob. Yeah, he came, he grabbed me, and he messed with my hat. And they he, all he, do the big, same thing. No, not all of them. Yes, they're uh, right, all the same. But you're right, though. It isn't. Uh, and Anthony and I actually a couple of weeks ago we did have an episode about uh, mascots where we kind of went and, and talked about mascots. And I'm actually on they're your side, 100. It is. They're supposed to be though. They're not for us. They are for when I see.
1: If you go out into center field and, you know, walk around course Field, rock around yeah. during the game. There's, there's a line to take photos yep. with Dinger and you'll stand in it for two innings. Yep. So all these people who want to get rid of Dinger. Like why would they get rid of him? They, yeah, couldn't, no, he's they fantastic. couldn't come up with a more popular mascot. He's silly. He's stupid. Yeah. He drives me crazy, <laughs> but I've <laughs> learned to embrace him because my kids like him and they're the target audience.
0: Well, so, I mean, we're kind of jumping around here and I want to get back to the, um, initial stages of the Rockies, but since you brought up your kids, so what ages are your kids, and what is their relationship with baseball, and what is your relationship with them in baseball?
1: Uh, they're 9, 6, and 3. So the two oldest, the 9-year-old and the 6-year-old, they've played uh, T-ball. all boys, girls? All boys. The, all boys. All boys. So they've played T-ball. They played coach pitch, which did not exist when I was a child. I don't
0: know. What is that exactly?
1: Where the coach is actually the pitcher. Um, For? Sort of underhand? No, he just they, they, there's a there's a it? there's a pitcher out there that's the other team, but he's just standing next to so your fields. coach, and your coach is is throwing the pitches, just so everybody gets more hittable pitches. So the nine year old just moved into player pitch, Ooh. which if they can't you can't you can't walk if they throw you four balls, then the coach pitches to you. So the idea is that you're gonna get something to hit when i played it was really a matter of who who walked less guys than i mean it it just was the (laughs) keystone cops and so it probably makes sense but it's a little bit odd but they they all play you know how long do they
0: how long do they do that what is it Uh, i think coach
1: pitch is up till eight year old okay and then uh this this hybrid coach pitch thing is like nine and ten you can play in leagues that are not that way and, then, um, and are they that's, keeping that's score? Because
0: the one thing that that, that mm. yeah, they're not keeping score. We all do. The of parents course. all do. The but kids officially, all do. Officially, it's not there official. Is no score. And no. So there are no standings. There are all no. Nope. See, I which that is, really bums me is out. Which is silly. I'll tell you that that one you of don't my. Do you think
2: kids need to learn about winning and losing? I'll tell you this. Yeah.
0: Definitely. My and I'm sorry, Anthony. This is not specifically baseball, but it is athletic. Uh, it's about keeping score. But my one of my most vivid memories as a kid is of being on my AYSO soccer team. And we were at the championship game and we had, I was not the star of that team. There was a kid, I won't name him, but uh, we'll just call him Joe. Joe was the star of our uh, soccer team. It came down to PKs, came down to penalty kicks. So it's like, oh, Joe, we got this. We're about to hoist the championship trophy. We're the best. And Joe, God bless him. He did what, you know, however old we were, nine, 10 year old kids do. And he duffed it and he whiffed it, you know? and. Joe choked. Joe choked. Mighty Joe struck out. Joe. And uh, to this day, in this moment, as I'm retelling this story, I can still hear the screams of joy from the other team. I can still hear the elation that the other team had and the devastation that I felt. It was one of the first moments where I just felt that sadness. But I carry that with me to this day, and it's one of the most profound things. It kind of teaching me, all right, well, next year, let's come back and get it. Next year, you know, let's come back and win. It's it. It taught me so much, and and as a team, we all went to have a pizza party afterwards, and we kind of commiserated, and we all made sure that Joe wasn't sad, and you know, we, it was just it was cool to have that 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 you know something positive come out of something so negative.
1: Well, and and I, and I think typically the kids deal with it pretty well. I, yeah. I think it's an overreaction to the crazy helicopter parents out there. Okay, it, because the parents just freak out if you're, you know, I, I've got a friend who who coaches a team. Down on the other side of town, and, and and it's a more serious league, and he's got, you know, parents calling him saying, "Hey, I don't know that I want to have my kid be a part of this losing culture." Oh, and they're one and two. It's like we're three games into the year, wow. and they're
0: seven. Okay, yeah, that so, ridiculous. Wow. So that's ridiculous. So that's
1: the reason why it, it has moved to this other extreme of like, well, we're just not going to keep score at all. I mean, it's a it's a typical overreaction to to things. Sure. Um, and so yeah, it becomes it becomes kind of silly, but. You know, the kids tend to deal with it pretty well. I, I miss the fact, like, you know, for me, I remember Toby. Toby was the kid that went to the bat and stood there with the bat on his shoulder <laughs> yeah. and kind of leaned over and watched. And Toby didn't swing the bat all season long. Toby only got on base if the ball hit him. <laughs> And like so, I still remember that from yep. when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. I think Toby was on my team every year. Of course. Uh, and you wonder why is Toby's parents forcing him to <laughs> play? Toby doesn't want to
0: be playing uh, baseball.
1: Wow. But he Toby's played right terrified. field every every game, of and course. you know Could he, he field just, at all. No. No.
0: That's why you stick him in right field. The if ball he, ain't going out if there. If they hit
1: it to Toby, it was – and the, it's part of the reason you asked me what position I played. Part of the reason I played second base was if the ball went over first <laughs> base or second base, you would I it. had to be the kid to go get it and throw it back in, so I had to cover for Toby. That's,
0: That's amazing. Poor
1: Toby. See, but you remember these things because yes. it actually mattered in terms of Toby made an out. We're keeping score here. Yeah. Toby got on base. It was a miracle. Exactly. This is helping. And you know, I don't. I don't know that my kids are getting those, those same kind of memories because the games are just, hey, we're gonna show up, we're gonna bat around three times, and then we're gonna yeah, it's not get it's a not, snack.
0: You're just, it's <laughs> yeah, it, that's. The, I, I don't like. I, I I see what you're saying. I guess I never thought. Seeing as I'm, you know, I, I don't have any kids myself, so I haven't really spent that much time uh, around the little league uh, diamonds in my in my older age. But I didn't think about the helicopter parents. That is, oh, that's is, insane. They're insane. I don't understand that. And if any of you are listening right now, stop it. If you are helicopter parents, just get off your kid's you know, that's going to be effective, Manish. I'm they're just going saying. To so. their, and they you will should. stop. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're going to so. change. I think so. I think you should fundamentally change the way that you've, you've thought about your entire life. They also play my, like
1: 80 games a season now, no. too. No. Yeah, Yeah. My kids don't. My kids play in the league like I played, where you play like 15. Yeah. yeah. They play these t- traveling teams or eight and nine-year-old yep. kids playing Tommy 80 John. games. Tommy John. Yeah. Tommy well, John. Exactly. I got us really off track with this whole youth baseball. No, but that's what we talk about. We talk about all of it.
0: This is what I love about it. It is, you know... We haven't had a lot of parents that have kids that are actively uh in Little League. And so this is this is a part of the game that, you know, I am a I I desperately want more young people to be a part of baseball. And when I say young people, I mean in their teens and their twenties. And I think maybe one of the reasons why they're not is they're not getting that same ex that that passion, that love, that devotion, that obsession. Because yeah, they're not these games they're playing, they're not, it's not real baseball. It's just, hey, we're just like you said, having a little bit of fun. Yeah. And I'm not feeling connected i'm not feeling the weight of a loss or the joy of a victory and that's how i believe all of us got connected
1: well i i think they're missing out on the you know the pressure and this sounds funny that you want to pressure an eight nine year old kid but the pressure of being at bat the pressure of the fly ball coming to you you better catch it it just it doesn't matter the other thing though that i've learned about baseball having kids play it it's like, it's a complicated game. <laughs> and you don't really realize it until you're trying to explain it to a six-year-old. Like, sure. why is it four balls? Why is it three strikes? Why do we run that direction? I don't know. <laughs> we just do. And I never remember anybody teaching it to me. Well, it's because I just nobody somehow knows. picked it
0: up. It's, it's one of those because, once again, another thing that I love about baseball, it's, I mean, we now know that Alexander Cartwright is kind of the one that is that is being credited with coming up with some of those rules back in uh, 1845 that Abner Doubleday actually had nothing to do with uh, the the invention of baseball. And so I think some of those like why is it 90 feet? Why is it uh, uh, you know why is it 90 feet between the bags? Why is it three balls, uh, four balls, three strikes, etc.? Those were rules that I think have matured over time. You know I think at the beginning I don't know if you know this, but the way that they would get you out. So first of all, the pitcher would just keep throwing the ball until someone got a hit. There were no balls and strikes. And the way you got someone out was by literally throwing the ball at them. It's like wiffle ball. It really is. So you would just throw. So those rules have matured and changed over time. There were so many different independent leagues, professional leagues, Negro leagues, etc. that existed that then finally we've whittled it down to this. But yeah, it's that kind of the the beauty of baseball is that it is. These are all, all myths and legends and hearsay, as you mentioned, we hear it on the playgrounds and on the, you know, whether you're in Denver or Chicago or Michigan or wherever, we all seem to learn the same basic myths. And so I kind of like that about, uh, about baseball. And I don't know, like I said, I, I think that, that people call it a complicated sport and it is a complicated sport, but I think the more that you watch the actual gameplay itself It all makes sense. It all, I mean, if it was, if the base was 95 feet, let's say, we wouldn't have nearly as many bang-bang plays. Like it's 90 feet is the perfect amount of space. You know, it just seems like no matter, even when guys are getting faster, their arms are getting better, the bang-bang plays are still the same. Like that's always amazing to me. If it was 85 feet or 95 feet, the game would be, Change forever. I want to see him played on a ninety five foot base pass
1: just to see. I think it would be the same. You think so? I think you'd get the same number because then it's the
2: same distance between first and third as well. Everything is
1: the same. Right, everything's spread out. Sure. I think it'd be about I think you'd be about the same. I think it works out fine. There's nice symmetry to it, but if it was sixty feet to from the pitcher's mound to home plate instead of sixty feet six inches, wouldn't that just make life simpler? I don't know. With that one,
0: I don't know. With that, I mean, <laughs> with why, that why one, the extra half a foot? Well, because then you can get an extra, you know, little bit of, of velocity or at least perceived velocity. You know, that's why guys like Randy Johnson or whoever who are these monsters, their release point is, you know, even yeah. Half but an we inch all get
1: used to it over the course of time, right?
0: I, I can't hit a major league fastball, so I'm not sure. Well, if, but uh, somebody would get used would. to it. I it's, guess just, you're it's right.
1: quirky, and it, you know, it's it's the one thing about baseball though they're they're a little too traditionalist. Baseball fans and baseball people and soccer people refuse to admit that maybe their game could change a little bit. The NFL and the NBA have grown in popularity so much because the sport has evolved. It's like we're not still taking the ball out of the peach basket after every hoop. (laughs) You know, the 24-second shot clock, the three-point line. You know, they outlawed dunking at one point and then decided to let it back in. There's, There's some of those kind of things. Like, you have to evolve a little bit because how many things right now are as popular as they were in 1925, right? Horse racing isn't. Going to the the circus isn't. Things that used to be considered really like, wow, this is big-time entertainment. Sure. The only thing that's really t- stood the test of time without changing much is baseball. It really has. But it's like it's, at some point, you know, as a big-time fan, you worry, well, uh, are you going to hit that end point? Do you have to change somewhat to continue to get young
2: well, fans? I don't know. But we've, wait, ta- wait, we've talked here and... In- about like I am very much in favor of replay, and Munish is not. Um, I'm not a fan
0: of replay in its current incarnation. I'm. There's a couple of reasons. one I like. First of all, I really like the human element of it. I do like the fact that look. Sometimes you get the call wrong. Sometimes it goes for you. Sometimes it goes against you. Every time it goes against you, everyone's in favor of replay. Every time mm. it goes for you, it's like eh, well, that's I baseball. hate replay in every sport.
1: Thank you. It sir. doesn't make any. It, it it doesn't make anything better. Like I I'll, agree I'll watch an 100%. NFL game. And Phil Sims will say it's incomplete. Yep. They'll go to Mike Pereira back in the Fox studio, and he'll yep. say it's complete. And then the ref will come out and have it. It's like, you. it still doesn't solve it. It so still here's doesn't what eliminate I, yeah, it. So now, in baseball, it's a little easier because you can tell, did the ball beat him to the bag? But, but even then, it's I feel so like it doesn't eliminate much of the controversy, so let's just keep it pure.
0: I agree. There you go. See, Anthony? No. And here's the other thing I like about the... I like the, the bad cr-
1: call in the 1985 World Series. I love you.
0: I, thank you. I love... Here, who are you talking to? No, I know. Gallagher we've talked about Tigers would have had a perfect game. Yes. And that and that is something that that kills me to this day. But that He'd mo- be
1: a little bit less famous of a triple A pitcher then. <laughs>
0: hey, True, you know right? what? <laughs> hey, look, his his uh, uh that first base is sitting in Cooperstown. Exactly. I'll say this. He's, he's no, remembered. The, now. The, other, the other perfect game's first base is sitting in Cooperstown. Not. But he can take his kids and say that was the first base. But that's I think and that's the,
1: part it's it was really disappointing at the time, and I'm yes. sure he's bummed about it about it, but it
0: it's a It's a better story because they blew the call. And then the the relationship between him and Jim Joyce was so amazing to see how Jim Joyce came out with tears in his eyes and which it, it brought something so much bigger. And so for the current incarnation, so I'm with you, I want to eliminate instant replay completely. It should go. In the current incarnation, what I really don't like about it is basically the fact that it takes 15 minutes. I know I'm exaggerating. It takes three, four, five minutes where for me, here's the way I think it should go. The play happens. The manager has five seconds. It's, I'm challenging it. I'm not challenging it. If you're not going to do that within five seconds, move on. You go, you go to New York or whatever it is. They have 30 seconds. If you can't figure it out in 30 seconds, then it was too close for the human eye to figure out to begin with. So that's just one of those plays that happen.
1: Yeah, it's the NHL system with
2: the central office that makes the most sense. But The only thing, like, in terms of fans, though, if you then have 40,000 people who in the stadium can see exactly what happened and that it got really wrong, I think that will ultimately turn a lot of people off. I really do. Oh, I don't think
0: so. I think it's mm. bar arguments. I think people love it because it gives you something to argue about. Sports fans love arguing. It,
1: it, but it's it's like, not to to mix sports too much, but it's like the Des Bryant catch, yes, right? I absolutely. mean, that, that was overturned based on replay. It was in the Super Bowl? It was in the, uh, sem- was, what was it, the divisional round. Or, division, yeah. So it was Dallas at Green Bay. And, and, you know, they called it a catch. It would have been first and goal from the one. They mm. overturn it. Fourth down, they you know the ball goes back. The Packers game over. So you know it, it's it's not killing football's popularity that there's and they're still screwing up the call. I guess that's the part that gets me. Like you're never going to get it right. Always got it right. And be like it's worth the three minutes. Yeah. But to still screw it up. Yep. And it's, do you feel like it's screw getting screwed up in baseball as much? Um, I, I not as much because I think the the plays there's less room for interpretation of rules. You know, it's either, it's either you're out or you're not out. Yeah. You know, there, so there's that's not why, a...
2: That's what I like about it. But it's it such it, a game of inches so that you can see the real thing. I'm also a big fan of tennis and I feel like they've really used replay. The well tennis, tennis replay is fantastic. So... You know, and it's the same kind of thing like you're talking about. Like, they have to immediately challenge. Yes. And then they get only, like, two or three challenges per, you know, match. And then you get an extra if you go into, you know, tie breaks and all that kind of stuff. So
0: Sure. So if like I the, do if like limited. I like
2: there to be some limited but here's things way, here's or parameters whatever.
1: I, I just, I mean, you know, the, the tennis technology is interesting because, you know, it's like, why can't you do that for balls and strikes? Why can't you do that for the football going across well, the goal he's, line? He's talking about Well, I don't want
0: before. robots doing balls and strikes. I Well, if, we're again, gonna, if it's I about like, getting it yeah, right, no, you're then, right, then... Well, Let's take it to the extreme. No, let's that right. you're right. That you're absolutely right. If that is the path, this is what I tell you. This is what I tell all my you know, friends. It would not hurt my
1: feelings if there was not a
0: cocky umpire behind home plate that <laughs> thinks we all paid to watch him. I know. That frustrates that the heck me. That wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah, no, that frustrates me. But I also do kind of like the differing strike zones. I like that you need to know the umps that, hey, this guy calls his pitches a little bit inside. This guy calls his little pitches. I'm not saying he's making it about him. I'm but just it, saying, you, it's you know, a, so
2: often, especially this year, and they've been doing like a lot of, you know, Review of these things that there's sure. some there's clearly games where the one the pitcher for the one team is getting the inside corner and the pitcher for the other team is not. I mean, it's just like I don't know. I
0: just I I think so ultimately, with today's
1: metrics, yeah, you're going to know about it. We're yeah. back in the day; it just used to be right. Eh, Bob Davidson, oh, it screws us.
0: <laughs> you didn't really know, right? And now they have <laughs> oh, actually have, things yeah, that they Angel can, Hernandez they or can point have, it yeah, out. There, there's plenty of guys that have that have definitely that I get very annoyed when I know they're going to be the home plate ump. But it once again to me though that is a part of the game. There was like there was
2: a guy, uh, they were showing, uh, you know, some clip show that I was watching on MLB Network. There was an umpire who was, call, he called such a terrible strike zone. It was like in a playoff game or a World Series game. And I think he was fined and like, maybe even barred from ever being an umpire again. We'll but this was it a while different. ago. This is before... Quest Tech, it was before the technology, but they showed clips of these balls that he was calling strikes that yeah. were literally
1: crazy. Well, I mean, and they're definitely guys who, you know, they, they take it personal. So, you know, they're going to be out there, and they remember, you know, three years ago, they got into a shouting match with this pitcher, so they're not going to give him the inside corner. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not good for the I, integrity of the game. I, I Some guy behind home that. plate having his personal vendetta against the Tigers...
0: I absolutely agree with that.
1: Because he got a speeding ticket in Detroit one time.
0: (laughs) But this is what I'll tell you, though. And this is ultimately, when it comes to replay or balls and strikes or any of this stuff, my favorite example to bring up is back when I believe, and I'll put it on clubbosspodcast.com in our show notes to make sure I get the exact games correctly, but I believe it was uh, Yankees-Mets, I'm sorry, uh, Yankees-Twins game, playoff game, uh, where yeah, Joe uh, Maurer. Yeah, the, the, j- the Joe the Maurer, ball was where, two feet okay, inside, the, hold inside. Hold the on, hold the on. Where pool. it was clearly, clearly, clearly a fair ball. Yeah, and they called it foul. And they have an even. Hold they even on. have an extra umpire in the game. And Joe Girardi, after the game, was like, eh, you know what? It's baseball. It happens. Well, you they know, also so that... got the home run on the Jeffrey well, Meyer wait, play. Well, th- well no, I'm, this is specifically about, <laughs> about right Girardi. The so but this is I love about out. specifically jo- uh, uh, Girardi, though. So Girardi's like, hey, you know what happened? It's this. And then a couple years later, it's Tigers-Yankees uh, uh, playoff game. I think it was ALDS in 2012, thir- 12 maybe? Whatever year Jeter got hurt. Um, uh, I think it was 12. And... Um, there was a, a play to right field, and I believe it was Peralta. I'm not sure exactly what it was. Clearly overran ran the bag, was clearly tagged out, but the ump missed the call, and the Tigers ended up going on to win that game. And afterwards, Girardi, this is nonsense. We can never be getting these plays wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And I am like, dude, two years ago. Like That's what I yeah. love about it, where he, it's, it's, it's always bad when it happens to you, but when, when it doesn't happen to you, when it happens to the other team, it's baseball, so for me, it's baseball. To- when it happens to the Tigers, I get mad in the moment, but I'm like, but that's baseball. It, that is that I can't, you know, now start saying I went into replay. No, we get some, we don't get some. I just would rather have it do it on everything or don't do it at all. I'm that's, with you. That's my. I'm theory. with you on that. That is yes. Go this this kind of you know doing it halfway is. It'd be amazing. like in
1: Tennessee. is it. Well, you can't challenge a serve.
0: Right. Yeah, it would be silly. The rules of what you can and can't challenge. It's silly to me. Brad Ausmus, the manager of the Tigers, several times. Former Rocky. Former Rocky. Has come out. Just to, you know, make sure we keep the Colorado flavor. We'll we'll get back to Colorado in a moment. (laughs) I know you got me all riled up here. But Ausmus has brought out the rule sheet to, like, you know, Dartmouth-educated boy, man, wants to make sure he's smarter than everybody, to show it to the umpire. No, I'm allowed to challenge this. Where it's like nobody even knows what you are and aren't allowed to challenge. But uh, all right, you're you're right. Let's get back. We got into such a crazy. I wasn't tangent. trying to steer you. I no, just no, no, no. You're right though. So, like I want to go back uh, to the early days of the Rockies, and I want to go through. So when the Rockies first uh, uh, came into existence in 1993, you guys broke attendance records that will never be broken. You know, uh, I think it was seventy plus thousand. That that you average like some ridiculous. Yeah, there were
1: eighty thousand plus at the opening game. They drew more than four million people the first year, first couple years. And so,
0: uh, on on my rounding third podcast, I had interviewed uh, Bruce. uh, Oh my goodness, I'm blanking on Bruce Hellerstein. Thank you, Hellerstein, Bruce Hellerstein. The. what, what what would his title be at, at the at the National Ballpark Museum? I'm
1: going to go with curator because it sounds a like word. a museum-y kind of yeah. term. So he's and the, I think
0: that's actually right. But so he's the curator sounds right. of the National Ballpark <laughs> Museum, which if any of you have not been to the National Ballpark Museum, the next time you're at Coors Field, it is right across home plate entrance at, at Coors Field. It is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best ballpark museum on the planet. They got more Cool stuff in there about uh, dead ballparks. I'd still like to know what the other ballpark No, no I'm saying, like, like, like more are. than.
2: He said. He keeps saying this, but what are the other ballpark museums? There are...
0: it,
1: it's still number one, though, right? Yeah. maybe <laughs> one like, out of one. I'm not discounting this. Well, even that more, it's good so, or bad, even more like, so, like, like,
0: like there's, there's uh, this there's plethora museums. of
1: ballpark museums. No, no, just, no but there's like, museums that have,
0: that have, like, ballpark memorabilia in different cities that I go to. It's and... like Qantas being the top rated Australian airline. Yeah, I know. But no, like Cooperstown. Here's <laughs> where, if you would have let me finish my sentence before cutting me off, it's got a better ballpark collection than Cooperstown. Wow. Like, All right, there you go. How about I that? That's like Cooperstown. So thank yeah. you. So if like, you let man, me finish my thought. I'm with that. So I love Bruce. And Bruce was involved with uh, the design process of uh, Coors Field. And he and I were chatting about the fact that he was bemoaning that they built it just too big. They did. That they got so excited that, you know, there were... 70,000, 80,000 people, they were like, hey, it's going to be like this forever. Yep. We're like, no, yep. no, no, no. no. You just got baseball. Let the novelty kind of wear off first before you build the whatever it was, 55, 60,000 seat stadium. Yeah. Because yeah. you played at Mile High Stadium in 93, 94. Yep. And then Coors was 95, correct? Yeah.
1: So if you've been there, you know, if you look out into left field, that there's, you know, what, 14 rows out in the pavilion. That's how right field was supposed to be as well. Oh. It, the whole outfield was that way. They added the entire, you know, third deck, yeah. which is now the rooftop. They've torn most of it out and turned it into a bar, which is a really cool vantage point and a great place to kind of watch the game and watch the and sunset. And great pictures and, of the Rocky Mountains, too. Especially yeah, at sunset, it's a, is really beautiful. It's a cool spot. But when they had seats up there, you could not see the right fielder. Ooh. So you're you're sitting in a seat in a brand-new ballpark oh. that has sight lines like you're at some stadium in Cincinnati in 1898 or something. <laughs> you know, It's like, I can't see the outfielder. But it's because they, it wasn't originally designed for that. The blueprint or the, the footprint couldn't be any bigger. So it's not like they could push everything back. They just had to stack it on top. And they didn't care about sight lines, aesthetics, nothing. It was, let's get another 10,000 seats in here. Hmm. So there's rumors they're going to tear out some of the seats down the third baseline, put really? another party deck in so you can look over downtown. Um, and So it's the one thing that yeah, people that were on the original committee, and, and you know we've, we've come across a few of them, doing the magazine and doing the radio station and stuff, they hate the fact that they added in seats. But it was a total money grab by the ownership of, yeah. yep. you know. And they, 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 for the most part, they, they kind of do the Jacksonville Jaguar thing where they tarp them off now, and they pull it off when the Yankees come to town, the Red Sox <laughs> come to town, fireworks game. Yeah. Otherwise, it's their seats, they don't even try and sell.
0: Well, I mean, the game that, that Anthony and I uh, attended at Coors was, you know, it's just a random, you know, Saturday game. You know, there there, there wasn't uh, fireworks, I don't think, after no. the game. Because it was a 6 o'clock start, and, you know, it just, it's, uh, no. Weird we, 6 o'clock start. What, what's Yeah, you guys start? do a lot of weird starts out here. I'm not a fan.
1: I don't know why the 6 o'clock start came to be. Um, but Is it a TV thing? Maybe. Honestly, I don't really know. It's sort do you guys of do 6 o'clock that starts came... during the yeah. week
0: or just in, no, on the weekend?
1: during the week. For the most part, they're 6 o'clock games. Um, Is that because, hmm. And I'm not 100% sure why that's the case. I mean, they're not exactly at six. They're like 6'10", 6'20". 6'40", whatever, um, yeah. But, but yeah, they're usually somewhere in the sixes. Yeah, we like to get home early. <laughs>
0: That catch, you know, <laughs>
1: catch a little, you know, cheers or something on it, oh.
0: reruns. <laughs> sure. But I was saying, but it was a pretty good crowd for just a random a game crowd. for for you know the Rockies. You know, at this point in the recording, are not really playing that well. You oh. could,
1: it, it, it could be any point in the year, and that's gonna apply. There's no, you don't have to preface so it. Wait a That's second, not gonna wait be wait outdated. A, wait a second. Uh oh.
0: We're going to take just a brief break so that Anthony and I can tell you about our first giveaway. I have a 2016 Baseball Stadium's wall calendar for sale through TF Publishing. They're available at Amazon.com, calendars.com, as well as your local Meyer Big Lots, Stop and Shop, and more. I'll include all this info about how you can purchase one of my uh, calendars at my website, roundingthird.net. But for now, Anthony has a very exciting announcement to tell you all about.
2: So uh, we're going to have our first giveaway. It's a giveaway contest. Here, It's very simple. Uh, we are always looking for more trivia questions to ask our, our guests for, their, for the game that we play at the end. Um, so if you have any cool trivia questions about your favorite team or about any team that you love or anything, send them to us, please at clubhousepodcasts at gmail.com or on Twitter at clubhousepod. And we will look through those. And if we wind up using one of your questions, we will give you a free signed wall calendar. And it will be signed by Munish, who was the photographer. He will sign the Detroit Tigers, Comerica Park picture. And I will sign the Wrigley Field picture because I am a diehard Cubs fan. So send us your
0: questions, please. And uh, good luck. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with the official scorer of the Minnesota Twins, Stu Thornley. In this clip, Stu explains what happens when a player disagrees with his scoring decision. Back in the more stressful days, we deal through team representatives, and sometimes
1: they would convey it rather strongly if a player had conveyed it strongly to that person that he wasn't happy with the call sure. and can't tell you exactly what was said or how it was conveyed but i've said i'll go talk to the player no 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 we'll take care you know i feel i'd rather go talk to the player if he sure. wants to cuss me out i'd rather i'd rather just deal directly with him than have you say i'm mad because this player <laughs> cussed me out so now i'm going to cuss you out I, hey let's just get it direct and now back to our chat with james Marilat.
2: wait a second uh-oh so you are a fan of a team that has been in the World Series in the last...
0: Oh, seven, so... Yeah, so in yeah. The last,
2: within the last 10 years, I'm a fan of a team that's not been to the World Series since 1945. I understand. I'd so rather be a Cubs fan. you've been though. to a World Series game. You've been, you, I assume you went to...
1: I did not. I had no, f- what? Huh? I had tickets to Game 5. Uh... They got swept. I was in I was in Mexico for a wedding. I missed every single uh, game. Didn't watch a single World Series game uh, because there is no safer thing to do in Colorado yeah. <laughs> than plan a wedding in October. You have no chance of having the World Series be a conflict except that year. So I went to the play-in game against San Diego to even get in the playoffs, which was yeah. the greatest you, sporting event I've ever yeah. been to in my did, life. Did you think that holiday was safe? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, it was an unbelievable game. I went to... <laughs> uh, a couple of the games against the Phillies, a couple of games against Arizona, including the game to clinch it to go to the World Series, and did not get to go to a World Series game. I was in um, Reagan International Airport when they lost game four coming back. for It was either there or Dulles. I forget which which of the D.C. airports. But I was in the D.C. airport watching the final out of game four to see the World Series end. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Did you guys do anything cool for the magazine for that? We did. this yeah. special edition. Um, yeah, so that part of it was cool. From a business standpoint, it was great. Um and you know what from a fan standpoint the 21 out of 22 I mean October yeah. was unbelievable it was really really a, a, an incredible time around around town Um Can you talk you know, a little
0: bit for the for the fans out there that might not be uh, hardcore Rockies fans can you just tell a little bit about uh, that stretch
1: Yeah they won uh what was it 13 of their last 14 regular season games actually 12 of the last 13 they tied San Diego for the final for for the wild card spot there was only one wild card then so they had a play in game uh, on October 1st, 2007, here in Colorado. Went 13 innings. They were down two runs going into the bottom of the 13th. and I'm sitting there with my wife saying, well, this is over. Trevor Hoffman's coming in. <laughs> Arguably the greatest, you know, closer yeah. of all time. This thing is done. And, they, you know, kind of nickel and, and dime their way back in the game, and Matt Holliday scored the, the winning run on a controversial call at home plate. <laughs> then they swept Philadelphia. Then they swept Arizona. So by the time the World Series started, I guess it was 14 out of 15 because the first series was five back then. So whatever. They, they they had won 21 out of 22 games by the time the World Series started, but there were eight off days between yeah. the end of the National League Championship Series and the World Series, and it just sort of killed their momentum. Um, yeah, And they went to Boston and got rolled in game one um and it just was it was never a it was never a series you know in '06 and in
0: 2012 I, I thought about you it's the same or 2012 I thought about you guys but no six the same thing happened to uh, uh the Detroit Tigers yeah. where it's just you you're so white hot for so long and then you sit around doing nothing I don't know in 2012 uh Jim Leland the man the then manager of the Tigers decided because he was managing in 06 when the Tigers just got embarrassed by the Cardinals uh, in the World Series after just sweeping their way, just just manhandling their way into the uh, uh, series. And he, like, had them go down to to Florida to play, like, some exhibition game yeah. I remember that. Squad. I, yeah. As like did he, Clint Hurdle, it yeah, didn't work. Yeah, he was trying, but it's because they made sure they told all the minor league guys, every ball had better be six feet off the plate right, and nowhere right. near. And, like, right, Miguel Cabrera, yeah. if you even, you know, if the ball whizzes by his fingertips like you'll never play baseball again so yeah. it's kind of like you're playing but you're not so it's almost like that's doing almost more damage because you're not playing real baseball you're just kind of messing around so yeah what, but what do you do when you got a week off baseball players don't have a week off
1: Ever. Well, unfortunately, I mean, that's the excuse we li- like to use. Unfortunately, the Rockies' <laughs> problem was Jeff Francis was their ace. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, in the, other than going and acquiring a pitcher during those sure. eight days, there wasn't much yeah. that Clint Hurdle could have done. But it, it was an incredible time. It was a little bit like uh, 1977 here in Denver was the first year the Broncos went to the Super Bowl. Uh, first time they ever made the playoffs. First time a Colorado team really did anything in professional sports. And it was crazy. 2007 was similar to that here in In terms of baseball, and this is a Broncos town, you know, we're going to, you know, as soon as training camp and preseason games and regular season, nobody's going to be paying attention to the Rockies and everybody was paying attention to the Rockies and not paying any attention to the Broncos back in 2007 because they just took over the town.
2: Now, I'm not asking for gossip. I'm just, since when you're running the magazine, were you talking to the players through their experience of doing that 21 out of 22? Were you
1: having interviews with them or were your staffers? I mean, were you yeah. around them? And- yeah, and we were, you know, we, we I remember doing, I was hosting the afternoon radio show there uh, during that time. And I remember talking, you know, they're out of it. It's not that, I mean, they're like, you know, five games out of the wild card. It's not that there's so many games back, but they got to jump four teams. Yeah. You know, you kind of just start looking at the standings, like, what are the odds? Well, you had to basically win every game and they, and they did. And then yeah, you'd, you'd have guys on the air and you'd talk to them about it, and you know it's one of those kind of quirky things you like about baseball. Is nobody wants to talk about the streak, nobody wants to talk about the no hitter, <laughs> nobody wants to jinx anything. So you kind of couldn't ask the question because you also didn't want to be that media guy in town who, well, you're the one who screwed it up by asking <laughs> yeah. the question. Sure, um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was cool, and I mean it, you know, the the town was was painted purple. It it really was. That's so cool, um, and you know it, it it's been yeah. one out of. Well, I mean, they made the playoffs in 2009, but were, were quickly dispatched. But, you know, they, they haven't had a lot of high points. They, they've never won a division title uh, in their history. They've made the postseason three times. They've had, like, seven winning seasons. So it, it, it's it's a very Cub-like existence just for a shorter period of time with one outlier three weeks. It was really three good weeks is what they've had in the history of their franchise. <laughs> so you've just, had more than three good weeks. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> See what See, I'm saying? See, the last
2: two times we were in the... Postseason, we got swept like out of the postseason, right? Which, right? I mean, we the one of the times at least we were we had the best record, and I think I can't remember all baseball or just nationally. Uh, it was either 90s uh, or uh, 0, 07 or 08. I that was the year the guy, did you see the then? documentary was the
1: guy made where he traveled around with the team the whole time and he was going to have this big finish. Oh, that one, the yes. The big finish, you know, yeah. hey, this is the year the Cubs are going to win the World Series. And then they get like swept out. And it's like, yeah, hey, we got swept. Well, so well, that's, that's what that happened twice. to me on
0: my dumb, on my, my 30 stadium tour. My 30 stadium tour was supposed to culminate with the Tigers winning the World Series. It's like, here we go. I get an end in my book. It's going to be awesome. And, and then David Ortiz so much. hit a grand slam <laughs> and crushed me. Yeah. Uh, But I just also realized that I have a feeling James is going to be our first home run. And I think I made the trivia questions way too easy. So we're going to That's a lot
1: of pressure now to say I'm going to do well, which I did. I'm I'm protecting myself.
0: Um, If there there are
1: old questions, I have a better chance. I'm the old guy.
0: So, all right. So it's time for the trivia game. Anthony, would you like to uh, explain what the trivia game is?
1: So you you essentially have uh, four
2: batters, you have three outs to work with. Okay. And uh, the first question you know a little bit easier question we'll get you a single okay second question if you get it right you'll get a double okay depending on the nature of the answer sometimes we'll actually award you you'll score that runner from first depends okay you know, i possible. was gonna ask that yeah, like if i possible. got a guy
1: on first i hit a double it's possible. Can I can I send him or well, no? Here's it's gonna have an an okay. no? It's our call. But... You're the third base yeah. coach? Yeah. Well, okay. Okay. well, I'm also,
0: I'm going to add a new wrinkle to this game Uh where after the first base question, you have an option to steal. You don't have to steal. But if you get the answer wrong, you're out. But I will give. I you. like this game because it's like real baseball. It's very complicated. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the that's beauty very good. of it. Yes. Very good. And then you. Then the
2: third is a triple, and the fourth is home runs. So you have the. You have the possibility of scoring four runs for your team. Okay. And we've been. You know, everybody who's been on the show has the team that they're. You know, that's their team. So, diff- a couple different teams have had a couple runs. I don't two runs. Yeah, two the runs,
0: Dodgers, yeah. the Mets. So we've got a couple yeah. of squads that have had scores two runs. No one scored yeah. uh, more than two. So. We thought for sure the Twins. Guy was Stu gonna, Thornley. So we, we interviewed thought, Stu Thornley, sure. who uh, literally wrote the book on the Twins. He's the official scorer for the Twins, and he's written several books about them. Okay. So- uh, I And he didn't get four runs, and you I'm going to? Well, it's also because I really made the questions hard for him. Okay, because so, we knew cause he cause, literally wrote the yeah. book. Exactly. Right. So, and when like I'll tell you the this... one question for and, him was,
2: like, who led the team in box? When I'll tell you in this, history like, <laughs> I, I,
0: I stayed up last <laughs> that night. That so, is stuff. Okay, yeah, don't, so don't, don't ask get me any box questions. You don't get any box questions. I stayed up till 5 a.m. because trying to research these 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 uh, uh, questions last night because there's literally no you guys haven't been around long enough the trivia questions there just, isn't a lot to uh, there's not uh, a lot to, to, ask to, yet. to dig from all right but so here we go leading off for the colorado rockies the shortstop number nine james marillette do i have a walk-up song yeah. We should start integrating that. What yeah. would your walk-up song uh, be? Oh, that's
1: a lot of pressure. It is a lot I of pressure. Know. You brought it up. I what would your know.
0: walk-up song be?
1: Little LL Cool J, Mama said knock you out.
0: <laughs> Mama said
1: knock you See, out. See,
0: I've always wanted Mama maybe said knock you as a it's a reference to the Simpsons, but I've always I feel like if the Simpsons hadn't done it, I would have liked it anyways. It's the episode where Homer is a boxer and he comes to the ring, uh to Why can't we be friends? That's that's what <laughs> why I would have. That's what I would just, You know, we, why, can't, why we, can't we? You know, give me a nice pitch friends. to hit. You know, I like, like it. To be I like it. All right, so here we go. You are you're in the box. You're you're digging in. Okay. Who was the Rockies' first manager? Don Baylor. All right. That you got is. a guy. Former, former on. Cubs. Former Cubs guy. Yeah. So you oh, got a guy yeah. on. Now you have the opportunity to steal. So I'm going to read the question to you. Okay. And you can decide. If you want to steal. If you want oh, to steal, Oh, I, right? I
1: get to know what the, the pitch is before exactly. I decide to steal. All You're right. stealing
0: signs as well. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So here we go. He didn't, he didn't clear Don this. Don Baylor came back change. as their
1: hitting coach, too, and got fired after leading Carlos Gonzalez to the uh, banning title. title. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to need a home run.
0: Uh, here's your option to steal. Can you name every manager... In Rocky's history. You know not have to be in Ooh. order, but just every man.
1: Uh, bu- 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 I think I can, unless you're counting, you're not counting interim, right? You have to have been a real manager.
0: Yes, because I I mean I don't think I have interim managers on here. All right, I'm gonna give it a shot. All right, here we go. So he the, here comes the pitch, folks. So it's Don Baylor,
1: uh, Buddy Bell, Jim Leland, uh Clint Hurdle, Jim
0: Tracy, Walt Weiss. He has Slid into second safely. Did I get him in order? Was Leland before Buddy Bell? Yeah, Leland was before Buddy Bell. Leland was coming fresh off of actually, because this was 98. Marlins? Fresh off the Marlins World Series, and he won. He was terrible. A grand total of seventy-two. He was terrible. He had a a
1: rollaway bed in the locker room, (laughs) and he would leave the games and go to the bar near Coors Field, get hammered drunk, and then come pass out in the clubhouse. Oh, I love Jimmy Leland. Jim Leland was a loser.
0: Jim Leland. Took my Detroit is, Tigers to this the promised land. Jim Leland double? took
1: the money and ran. This is your double? I don't remember what
0: my double is. And then I
2: could have, I'm not a Rockies fan and I could answer
1: this. Then question. he quit on the Rockies. But anyhow, though oh, the double's easy, oh, I got a guy on second. This is going to score him one. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's hard. It was boy. hard. I spent three and a half hours. I said it was 5 I'm a.m. I'm very happy
1: up. for you. <laughs> Who was the first pitcher to throw a no-hitter for the Rockies? Well, it's the only pitcher to throw a no-hitter for the Colorado Rockies. That'd be Ubaldo Jimenez. Yes. There's been one no-hitter at Coors Field pitched and it was not pitched by a Rockies pitcher. The Ubaldos was in Atlanta Is it against
2: Homer Bailey?
1: No. No. Nope. Hideo oh. Nomo. Oh. And there was like seven people there because the game had was like a 3-hour rain delay and you know it was one of those rain storms that rolled in like 20 minutes before the game, so most people just turned around and went home, and so it was like nobody in the park. The game started at 8:40 or something like that. He went out and pitched a no hitter. Yep, Ubaldo. Uh, just for the
2: rest of the people listening at home, I remember. Th- I just remember it. That's fine. Yeah, I
0: once again, not a lot of history. Final score.
2: It was against the Atlanta Braves on six April nothing? 17th, uh, 2010. No, four nothing. <sighs> he threw 128 pitches, walked six, which is quite a few for a no hitter. He was great
1: seven. that year. He started 15 and one. Uh, 15 and did, one. Did not wow. get to 20 wins. He had 19 wins. He pitched nine shutout innings in the final game of the season. They lost one nothing at St. Louis in 10. Sounds like John Lester's. Like, season could this you year. get him a little bit of help? It's a great year, though. Great year.
0: I once again, I, I'm this is the third. I thought maybe. So maybe, I got one run in. I can drive got, this guy
1: in from second can, with yes, my triple. Yes.
0: This one is, I thought maybe this one would get you because it's- Well, it's, here's
2: the thing. You're going to get to redeem the 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 lifeblood of the Colorado Rockies on our show. All right. You will, good. You will overtake all other teams. I, I could likely.
1: miss every question from here on out. I don't want to get cocky here at all. Here we
0: go. Which Colorado Rocky was replaced by Peyton Manning as a starter for the University of Tennessee football <laughs> team? Todd Helton.
1: Golly! All right. Yeah. Well, now, see, because Seth Smith was the backup for Eli Manning at Ole, Ole Miss, and Todd Helton was the backup for Peyton Manning at Tennessee, so when Seth Smith and Todd Helton were on the same team, we had to hear that like every other broadcast on route. Okay. Okay. So we've we've just had that. And when Peyton Manning was making his comeback— He was in Colorado for a lot of that. Oh, yeah. And he was down in the bowels of Coors Field playing catch with Todd Helton, and he couldn't throw the football five yards. That should have... (laughs) <laughs> you got you got two
2: you got two runs in. Okay. This, this is the home run. This is then. a home run. All right. I feel like this one's hard. So I've and tied for the I record,
0: like, right? You have the record. record but I feel Can I steal home? No. no Why? And you can't and there's no dribblers, there's no sack flies. You gotta got to hit this thing out I got that guy on part. third. I want to just get him in. You got you got nobody out. Nobody exactly. out. Exactly. All yeah, you got to do is, is, is make contact. Is You're swinging for the fences, baby.
1: Only. That's it. Man. All right. Bad Who baseball was, move swinging for the fences. It's sorry, go ahead. It's go ahead. It's true.
0: It's true. You're playing in Coors Field. <laughs> That's a good point. You just if I pop can't get a home run infield. here,
1: <laughs> I should just go
2: home. <laughs> Who was the Rockies' number one pick in the expansion draft of 1992? David Neat.
0: I'm going to throw my headphones across the
2: window.
1: <laughs> that was like, because I that had was. The,
2: that was hit into the Rocky Mountains in the distance. That, that was. Like, I had the. I had a Need for Speed
1: T-shirt with Need spelled N-I-E-D. David Need. Okay, I have a question. Could you name? Could you name?
0: I don't have the answer. Could you name the top three home run uh, leaders in Rocky's history? Uh, probably. I mean, I could probably get. This try. Probably, it. It's, it's, it's got to be.
1: It's got to be Dante, Bichette, Andres Galarraga, and Larry Walker. Maybe Helton Helton might be there. Yeah, because
0: Galarraga, because he got uh, most of his... He wasn't here long enough? Yeah, he wasn't here long enough. Um, so, all right. See, I was going to do that one, but I was like, no, he'll get that one. Ah, yeah. I thought, all right, well, well hope, ladies and gentlemen, the Rockies, the Rockies take a commanding yes. lead. They have four runs on the board. It's
1: a, it's a record that can never be broken. It's it true. can only be tied. It's true.
0: I'll tell you this. So, listen, fans, if you're like Anthony, who is uh, annoyed with me at the moment for making those questions easy, I swear I tried really hard to make them difficult Please email me at clubospodcast at gmail.com. I don't care who your team is. We're going to try and cover all 30 teams. Give me some trivia because Google is the worst for trying to find trivia. Can
1: I give you a good piece of Rockies trivia?
0: Okay. But yes, why do you give it? I should have called you first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, said, I, don't, I wasn't knocking your trivia. Yeah. Um, the last non pitcher to get a win in a game. Was a Rocky. Can you name Well, hold on, hold on.
0: The last non pitcher to get a win. The last position player to register yeah. a win. Yeah. That'd a be Rocky. a
1: that'd be a better way to say it. It's okay. Last position player. Um,
0: I was there
1: for this game. Was that all? No. I don't know. Brent Main, he was the catcher, <laughs> and he came in in an extra inning <laughs> game funny. against the Braves and got the win. He got you know Chipper how many Jones. He got? Ah, he got all three in the in whatever yeah. inning it was. It was like the twelfth inning, and he got Chipper Jones to ground out to short or third to get the last out of the game. I bet it's Chipper Jones Famer. was really mad at him. Yeah, Andres Galarraga was playing yeah. for the Braves. Got kicked out. There was a big bench-clearing brawl. Then there was a rain delay. Wow. Yeah, pretty well. <laughs> like See, that rain. was yeah. just the
2: l- There's a little bit of just for the little tidbit of info about David Need. um was swiped away from the Atlanta Braves organization as the number one pick in the 1992 expansion draft and was hailed as a steal. Arm troubles kept him from ever realizing his potential, however, plus, you know, pitching at Coors Field before the humidor. Uh, <laughs> he lasted five years and ended his career with a record of 17 and 18 with a
1: 5.06 ERA. That is... That was your first That play. is That's not good. good. That's a probably a top 10 Rockies pitcher of all time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so I have a question for That's you. What do you think... So the Rockies every year, I always feel like, oh, man, they've got some guys on the field. They've got, obviously, I mean, you're never out of it here. You always put together a little bit of a run. I feel like April and May and June, I always see the Rockies somewhere near the top of the standings. Then you just fall apart. So I know when the Tigers were going through their decades of futility, free agents just didn't want to come to Detroit. And so I can imagine for Colorado, free agent pitchers really don't want to come to Colorado do you have any? What do you think Colorado needs to do to try and 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 do you need to overpay? Do you need to promise things like how do you, how can you bring a team together that can actually you know win a couple of games you know over the course of a season?
1: Well, for one thing, they need to stop talking about how you can't win at Coors Field if you're a pitcher. How it just wears you out. I mean, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy yeah. if the organization is talking about it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we go back to the beginning of the podcast. I grew up here watching minor league baseball. Nobody ever talked about the altitude. Now, you get a lot less attention when you're minor league baseball, but nobody ever talked about it. There's a lot of good high school pitchers who come from here. Roy Halliday's from here. He's from Arvada West. He's, you know, 10 miles from where we're sitting right now, is where he played high school baseball. That was never an issue. So I, I've never heard this before. And then all of a sudden it becomes this big problem at Coors Field. Now, part of it is they adjusted the ballpark for it. So they have this huge outfield. <laughs> so the first thing I would do is I would move the, the, fences in and make the walls higher so you wouldn't have these huge gaps in the outfield that make doubles just uh, that's the problem at Coors Field more than the home runs is the extra base hits the gaps are so big that you just you get a lot of doubles you get a lot of singles that fall in front of guys because they're playing deep where if you built you know a green monster ask and it wouldn't need to be that tall but essentially made the fence double height all the way around, like out in right field, they have the out of town scoreboard. Yeah, but that's yeah. where
2: Make that's where I, <laughs> yesterday in the game, Todd Frazier kind of went, and it didn't seem off the bat. It didn't like sound it was gonna, like it. Didn't look like and it, yeah. It, and they just sailed it just, right just, over the out of town scoreboard. And
1: you're still gonna. I mean, obviously, yeah, you'll yeah. still get you'll still get plenty of home runs. But it, it's a lot of the problem with Rockies pitchers are they're so fearful of giving up. Extra base hits and just giving up hits in general, because so many things get in there that they try and be to be too precise and they walk guy after guy after guy after guy. Jorge De La Rosa has been very successful pitching here, and he just goes out and pitches. Yeah, he, he doesn't, and it sounds simple. He doesn't go out and overthink it. But they signed Mike Hampton and Denny Nagel to big time um, free agent contracts in like 2001. Both were busts, and they haven't gone out and spent big money on a pitcher since. Okay. Um, you know, Mike Hampton started pretty well. He made the All Star team as a he pitcher here a his first year. He could hit. Yeah, I think he was like eight and one at the All Star break, and then he just sort of went in the tank. Danny Nagel got caught on Colfax trolling for things he shouldn't be trolling <laughs> for. <laughs> um, and, and but they really don't spend money on free agents at all right now. I mean, it, you know, they go out and they'll, they'll sign a a has been from the Twins every year, whether it's Michael kadire <laughs> or <laughs> Justin Morneau no, or whatever, and it'll come in and they'll get a a, a you know a, a kind of Asterisk laden batting title, sure. um, but they really don't spend money on on free agents anymore. But you know, I, I think a lot of it is you have to draft better. You can't pass on Clayton Kershaw and Tim Lincecum. Did they? Yeah, they took Greg Reynolds instead of either one of those guys. <laughs> what did they have a because re- or Casey Weathers? I what, don't remember. Did, they, did you ever hear why? Uh, they didn't like Lincecum's motion. They didn't think he would, you know, of course, be able to keep doing that year after year after year. Uh, they just have drafted really, really poorly. Um, so is that on the
0: scouts? Is that on the management? Is that on the what? Who? I think who it's you- a
1: little bit on their development wow. program, their development system. You know, they they they're very good at developing positional players. I mean, yeah. Nolan Arenado is a great third oh, yeah. baseman. Yeah. Troy Tulowitz, oh, wow. yeah, he's a course. great shortstop. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they've developed some guys, and when they've traded for players, I mean, they they traded Matt Holiday for, and in that deal, they got Carlos Gonzalez, who has turned out to be a very good player. So. And he wasn't when they got him from Oakland. He was a prospect. And so they, they've been good on that front. They just can't develop pitchers. They can't at all. And it's it's essentially been the same front office for 17 years. I mean, Dan O'Dowd quit this last offseason. They didn't interview anybody else. They promoted his number two guy who'd been there for 10 years. Might as well just be the same guy. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, whereas you look at a team like Houston— they went and got a guy who had had success in St. Louis, kept the right password, and then they did some
2: other things. And but look, I mean, I mean, the Cardinals did some other things against them. I should say That's really, really—that's
1: what, what I meant. I meant that they That's were really, mean. really bad, though. Yeah, but they had this plan. This is what we're going to do. The Rockies just are kind of continually in this, we don't really the stink, yeah. but we
0: aren't very good. You got to break know. it all down to put it back yeah. up. That's and it's, the problem. You can't just be perpetually mediocre.
1: But when you're drawing two and a half million people, you know, because no they want to come out well, I think and watch Tula for a while.
0: I think with Wrigley, that's, that's what happened for a long time, where it was like, look, we're selling out, so who cares? Why yeah, yeah. spend right. more money when we're going to make the same money? You know, we'll lose money if we try to bring in more players. So yeah. it's, I get that.
2: Do you think that the
1: the uh, Tulowitzki not being ever traded, do you think that's real? I don't think they're going to trade him because well, so, I, I think there are too many people in the stands wearing a Tulo shirt yeah. and a Tulo jersey. He's, he's a star. People will come down. I mean, Todd Helton, you know, I don't think Todd Helton wanted the pressure of playing in New York or Boston or someplace where they would rip him for <laughs> turning into a singles hitter and playing first base and earning $119 million since his last All-Star appearance. I mean, that wouldn't fly in any other market. Nobody here gives him any any grief about it. So I think he wanted to stay here and the team wanted to keep him here cuz people wanted to go out and watch Todd. Get to go see Todd. Now they get to go see Tulo. They're not going to get rid of him. And the the Montforts give a get a little bit of a bad rap for being cheap. Their payroll is middle of the pack. It's 100 million bucks. It's more than the Mets. So I mean it's sure. you know it's not bad. Well, the problem is awful. 49 million dollars of it is tied up in three guys. Yeah. Cargo, Tulo and De La Rosa. So if all three of those guys don't have career years or one of them gets hurt which all of them have been hurt. You're counting on a bunch of guys. They're mean, meaner median. I never remember, but their mean <laughs> is the league minimum. Right, the guy yeah. in the middle of their payroll is making the league minimum. Half the roster makes that's the league the league minimum. So that's yeah. more than half of it. That's the problem with the way they the way they spend their money. It's not what they spend. It's how they spend it.
0: Well, I'll tell you. We're recording this. Uh, the trade deadline is is looming, and and every year. You know, Tulo's name. Every year, Tulo's name is out there. So by the time you're all listening to this, you will know whether or not he's a Rocky or not. I think you are comfortable going on record saying that it ain't. He's I don't not think going they're going to trade him. And
1: I, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't trade him because I don't think you're going to get good value. I was going to say. What are you going to get back from at this point? And they're not going to, whatever they would get, they're not going to develop. When they traded Ubaldo and Menace, they traded Ubaldo and Menace to the Indians. Yeah. They got Alex White and Drew Pomeranz. Two guys who went four and thirteen and four and fourteen during their careers with the Rockies. They got a catcher who hit two eleven during a half a season, and then they got a, a knuckleballer or something who never made it out of double A. That's what they got for Ubaldo Jimenez. None of those four guys are still here, so it's like, what's the point? Yeah, if that's what you're gonna get. Well, all
0: right. Well, let's let's uh, take a little bit of a detour here because I feel like it, and it is. I think what I'm hearing is as a Rockies fan, there's a lot of just frustration. There's just a lot of, it could be so much better and it isn't. So let's think of a happy thought. What we like to ask our guests is kind of, if there is that, that quintessential moment in your life, that, that, that memory that you have, it doesn't have to be about being at a game or watching a game or any, it's just the moment in your life where you say, this is why I love baseball. This is why I'm a baseball fan. This is why, just your favorite baseball memory.
1: Um, geez. All right. I I probably have two. Um, one was when I was a kid playing little league baseball, um, I made the all-star team. So I was playing for the North Glen all-stars and I, you know, I wasn't good enough to play in most of the games. I was the bench player on the all-star team, but I got to bat, um, in, you know, in the last inning of one of the games and, you know, the kid threw a curveball, which we never saw curveballs, and I hit it and I hit it out. And so I remember <laughs> rounding first base and seeing my dad sprinting down the third base line to go get the baseball. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. You know, like that when you're a nine-year-old kid, like, hey, that's pretty cool. I made dad proud. So that was, that was really cool. And then in 1997, uh, my grandpa, who was the, the Legion baseball player, he, had, he was, you know, dying of, of cancer. He had bone marrow cancer or some, some of some sort. Um, but he and I went to a ball game at Coors Field. And, you know, my grandma took really good care of him and wouldn't let him eat anything he wasn't supposed to do and <laughs> all these kind of things. And grandpa that day at the ballpark had the two hot dogs loaded with <laughs> kraut and pepper and onions, two beers. I don't think I ever saw my grandpa drink in his life. So we're eating hot dogs and drinking beer. And he was just sort of in that I don't give a crap. I'm at the ball game with my 24 year old grandson. And, you know, I've been dealing with chemo and dealing with all this crap. And for three hours, we got to put that, and especially he got to put that um, in the in, in the background. And so I don't remember who they played. Don't remember if they won or lost. I can remember being in, up in the third level concourse, though, buying the hot dogs and and buying the beers and just standing there, you know, enjoying the moment. So those would probably be my two baseball memories. Thank you for that.
0: You made me cry, man. That's. Did your grandpa ever get a chance to to kind of see what you blossomed into as far as your 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 journalistic career and kind of how much you cuz you've had a pretty big impact on the local sports scene here you know you and Doug uh, are are uh major media members here in in this this city where you've influenced a lot you know and and I think that that's that's it's a pretty powerful thing. You know, the connection that you have with your fans here in the Mile High City is is, is pretty nice. Uh, yeah, it's, F- it's
1: been cool. I mean, we grew up here being fans of, a, of the local teams. You know, I went to Bronco games with my grandpa, so he helped instill, he and my grandma, uh, my other, my grandma on my dad's side helped instill a lot of that passion. And unfortunately, both of them passed away before I, I got into it. But, you know, not to get overly deep, I'd, I'd like to think they They've seen it from somewhere. Sure. Um, but you know, it's they they like I say they planted those seeds and and they kind of turned me into the the fan and and you know when I was that sports nerd as a kid, it was cool in my household and in my family because they loved it. They liked yeah. the fact that I was the six year old kid who knew who the third string linebacker was. You know, it made me feel cool. Sure. Um, even though it really is not cool. Um, <laughs> so you know, not when you're six. Maybe not even now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean I I you know, hopefully they were proud enough at the at that point. Yeah. Well thank you very much for hanging with us.
0: Yeah, this has been it was fun. I I, I kinda want to talk to you a lot longer, but you know, we gotta well, there's never enough time. There's never enough time on these shows. So we're just gonna have You'll to You'll be back through town again. Yeah, we'll definitely. I'll definitely be back through town just because I really do love Coors Field. And this gentleman will be back here pretty soon, actually. So it's it's Denver's a really, really fun town. You know, it's, it's, I had, uh, I was t- telling Anthony and, and Rindler while we were going to the game yesterday that I mean, I was here so much when we were doing the magazine. I was yeah. flying here very regularly and I had some of the most fun times ever. I, mean, I almost bought a place here. Like, I, I loved it here that I was like, you know what? I may as well just buy a condo or something because I really do dig, dig Denver. And uh, those memories of mine from, wow, 10 years ago now, which,
1: Hard to believe. Good Lord. i getting up there. Not crazy. a kid anymore, Manish. Yeah.
0: Well, on this <laughs> podcast, I'm still a kid. You, you two are the old men. It's true. true. Uh, but uh, this has been so much fun. Do you have anything you'd like to plug as far as uh, Twitter, websites, et cetera? I mean, Mile High Sports Magazine, uh, I will just say, everybody out there, if you're a fan of Denver Sports, if you, I mean, you, you probably are already, but if you haven't subscribed to Mile High Sports Magazine, do it immediately. I'll make sure to put a nice easy link on clubhousepodcast.com where you can click and subscribe because it's, one of the most beautiful looking books um, that I've ever seen. It's better than ESPN, the magazine, Sports Illustrated. As far as just, it's a gorgeous looking book. Uh, I mean, we aped a lot of the design from ours. Like we, we I'll admit it, we flat out stole a bunch of your We ideas. all do. We yeah, all do. Just it we was... steal it from Esquire, so I wouldn't worry about it. But, <laughs> you know, check it out,
1: milehighsports.com or on Twitter, at milehighsports. I would give you my Twitter handle, but then you just have to listen to me rant and rave during Bronco games and nobody likes that.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you once again. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. So, Anthony, thank you. Thank you, Manish. Thank you, Manish. Thank you, Manish. All right, let me end the show now. We will see you next time here in the Clubhouse. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Brigino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at Rounding Third MJ for me and at Albino Kid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.